Welcome to The Rundown. I'm your host, BJ Evans. Elizabeth is out today, but I have special guest in the studio, Leah Crockett. Hello. Hello. Thanks for being here. Also, our producer, Mark Pagan, is here. Hello. Hey, Mark. Thanks for being here. Sure. We've had a little bit of a break, but we are back with some exciting news. Uh, Leah, I feel like you are deeply entrenched in this exciting news. What is the exciting news? We have just announced our Brick Celebrate Brooklyn Festival 40th year lineup. That's extraordinary. Congratulations. 40 years. 40 years. And you've been here for 39 of them? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> How? So this is your second season? Second season. Okay. And it's so seminal. It's a big deal. It is a big deal. Is there anything special that's come up for the 40th anniversary? Oh, let me tell you. Well, okay. I think a couple of sort of key things come to mind. You know, this is a big... 40 years is a big deal, obviously. Yeah. I can't just stress it enough, not only for the festival, but for Brick as an organization. So um, I think especially with the way New York has grown over these 40 years, over these decades, the way Brooklyn has grown, uh, the festival landscape, just so many things make me feel really proud that we've even gotten here. Uh, So we're doing a lot to celebrate that. Uh, One thing that comes to mind is we will have Common as our opening night artist, which is easily the one of the biggest artists we've ever had to kick off the festival. That's so wild. It's going to be totally crazy. Believe it. So uh, you were not here on this episode, but I may have divulged the details of the possible helicopter oh. dropping coming off. <laughs> so I think everyone is really dying to hear the resolution of that. Is he coming in a helicopter? He will be, like many people of a certain echelon do, <laughs> uh, landing at Wall Street okay. at a commercial helicopter pad okay. and then taking ground transportation okay. over the river. So there will not be a helicopter in the park. There will not be a helicopter in the park. Barack Obama did it and a lot of people didn't like that. Really? So I think if Barack Obama can't yeah. really get away with it. <laughs> was Barack Obama president at the time? He was. I, uh, I'm i not sure all the details, but it was during his presidency. Um, you know, he made a special trip to Brooklyn and needed to land the presidential helicopter in Prospect Park. And it caused a lot of uproar. Understandably so. I think, you know, Prospect Park is very committed to preservation of the park. It's really the crown jewel of Brooklyn, in my opinion. Um, So actually this year, they're really implementing a car-free park. Mm. So there really aren't even park vehicles in the park anymore. Uh, Over the years, again, especially over the 40 years that we've been there at the festival, I've learned a lot about just the transformations that the park has gone through Mm. uh, and making it a point to really preserve those green spaces and putting a helicopter in there does not really align with those right. goals. Right. So, you know, they let Barack Obama get away with it, I think, one time, and no one else can probably do it for, you know, the next 50 years. Well, that's <laughs> all right. It's still a fun story. So <laughs> being the 40th anniversary and you work in the park all the time, are there is there a negotiation with the park in terms of how Celebrate Brooklyn, Brick Celebrate Brooklyn fits into that? Do you have to maintain the park park's beauty do you have are there like park rules that you have to live by like what are some of the what's some of the dance around having a festival in a park you know it's really great I mean this festival really was created in partnership with the Prospect Park Alliance really as an attempt to bring people back into Prospect Park so uh, because you know in the 80s when this first started there really weren't um, Prospect Park wasn't really considered a place to hang out especially at night So I think that has set the tone for a really wonderful partnership between Brick and the Prospect Park Alliance. We're really sort of both committed to the same goal of bringing people into the park to enjoy themselves. So um, we've always had a great working relationship with them. And, you know, I think it's kind of standard stuff. We need to make sure that we're complying with, again, all of the conservation initiatives. So 
you know, we recycle in our park. We offer tons of transportation alternatives. Uh, there are tons of city bike stations all over Prospect Park. So um, if you have a city bike account, I totally encourage you to use that. Uh, we also do bike valet, which is super convenient. What is that? It's, so it's really great. I don't know if so those of you who are listening who cycle, it's you know kind of frustrating sometimes at festivals. They'll always have bike parking, but it's just like an onslaught of bike racks and you don't really know where your bike is going to be and it can be kind of confusing. So we have... Uh, wonderful folks from Transportation Alternatives who actually set up just a little stand right outside the gates uh, at the 11th Street entrance where you can basically have them park your bike for you uh, and then you just go pick it up. So they have a system, you know, it's like code check for your bike. It's really great. That's so cool. Very convenient. I highly recommend it. Um, And it helps. We have tons of people who ride their bike to the park. I think it's the best way to enjoy and come to the festival. That's what, And so that's specific to Brick Celebrate Brooklyn Festival. That's not a thing that's in the park in general. The bike valet is for the festival. Correct. Wonderful. And so the, I really wanted to talk about a lot of these things. We'll have a lot of time this summer to talk about the music, which we're all very excited about as well. But as we gear up for the festival, those little things are I'm really curious about of what is new in the festival, what is making the festival exciting. The bike valet is really cool. Are there other changes you have made to the site? Are there other fun things happening at the site that's going to make the festival a really nice experience besides just the music. Absolutely. Um, And I love that you asked that because I think especially um, festivals are not just, you know, music is the rooting force. It's like sort of the grounding element, but really it's an experience. It's about who you're experiencing it with. And it's really about being outside. Like the park is such a magical place. And I think it's really about being there and either being at the front row for your favorite band that you're so excited is there or just sitting in the very back on a blanket discovering a band you've never heard before. Um, So some things we're doing to sort of enhance the general experience in, again, in honor of our 40th anniversary, we're actually creating this crazy light installation uh, there's this amazing artist named Grimanesa Amaros. She's Peruvian. She's done tons of these cool um, like LED sculptures, basically, that are programmed and change um, change lighting, basically. And so uh, in honor of the 40th, she's creating this beautiful art structure that will live in the back of the lawn in the park where the festival is. Uh, and it will light all up. It's huge. So where basically you can lie underneath it if you want and sort of sit and stand underneath it. It's very interactive. It's very dynamic. It's, you know, color changing, not like quickly like a strobe, but um, just a sort of very elegant, slowly changing lights that will be lit up all summer long. So we're really excited about that. It's just really beautiful mm-hmm. and sort of adds another thing for uh, people to sort of take in and enjoy um, and, and was then, this a commission? This was. We commissioned this specifically okay. for the festival for this 40th year. I love that interdisciplinary nature happening of this music festival that has commissioned a visual artist to create this installation in the park that can be enjoyed along with the music. I love that intersection of the disciplines. I love that, too. I think Brick is really good about um, trying to find those places where we can sort of intersect with other disciplines. Absolutely. And so you can lay under the light sculpture? Yeah, you can okay. actually stand upright in it. Oh, uh, but okay. But to me, I think I'm just assuming that that's what I would want to do. Just lay under, lay yeah. underneath it with a picnic blanket. And will it affect sight lines? <laughs> it will not. Thank you for asking. Wonderful. That was a very big, you know, a lot went into the engineering of this structure. You know, it's huge. I can't remember the exact dimensions, but it's quite large. Uh, and we have it set up in such a place in the very back that it will not affect sight lines. And actually, the majority of the pieces will be so high up that it shouldn't affect sight lines at eye level either. 
That's great. I love that you all thought about that. Absolutely. I think that was like a non-starter. It can't be anything that (laughs) breaks silence. And will the musicians get to program any of the lights with their lights for the shows? It's not quite like that. Okay. It's really just going to be programmed on a loop that I think the artist has determined. Oh, right. This is her art. Piece. Yes, yeah. of course. Yes. <laughs> so then this is my art and my LED program. Thank you very much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that sounds cool. What else? Is there anything else new in the park this year that will make the festival really enjoyable? Yeah. Uh, we actually are very excited to partner with a new food vendor uh, who is actually another great friend of the park. These are the folks who do uh, the lakeside dining at the Lafrac Center. Oh, yeah. So they're coming up with a whole new custom menu for the festival this year. Uh, it's really great, again, to sort of have those relationships within the park. These are folks that, you know, have been working in the park for ages. And we're really excited to just freshen up the food a little, get a sort of a new perspective. Uh, so I think that'll be really fun. And, you know, attendance has really increased in the past few years. And of course, we're very, thank you. We're very excited about that. So as a way to sort of, um, you know, grow and evolve with the growth in attendance, we're actually going to have food stations available on both sides of the site. That changes everything. I think people are really going to like that. Like I can't that wait is. for people to see it. It's, yeah. It's those little things, and maybe that's and that's not a little thing. That's actually a big thing to get food on both sides of the park. But that will make such a difference in the experience to be able to be anywhere in the park and pop over to get food. Because if you're on like the Ninth Street side or the Eleventh Street side, I'm getting confused with my. <laughs> but if you're on the other side and you want to go get food, it's it's a bit of a trek. Absolutely, and depending on how busy it is, it's hard to get through yeah. the crowd. You know, I just think that this will really help. Again. This festival has evolved and grown so much that it's nice that, um, you know, we're just trying to be very uh, fluid and malleable based on sort of what audiences sort of um, reveal about the festival to us. Yeah, that's really great that you heard that feedback and you're making that change. That's going to really improve the experience. What else? Is there anything else? Are there new bathrooms? Nothing like that. You know, all of that I think people (laughs) will just enjoy and figure out. I mean, it's really just, I think, the same beautiful space. Like, Mm -hmm. I think what makes it such a great venue is that we don't really have to do a lot to make it an enjoyable space. It's a great lawn. The park does a great job of, you know, maintaining the lawn. We have those beautiful trees that were planted like 100 years ago. Um, You know, we don't want to mess with that stuff. We just kind of want people to feel like they're really in nature enjoying music. Yeah. The other thing I've always loved about the festival is, you know, it's a music festival to a lot of us in our minds. We think of it as a music festival. And yet there's actually so much more than music. There is dance and there are movies. And, you know, we have the whole summer, obviously, to talk about what's coming up. But can you talk to me a little bit about what some of the other things are besides music that are coming up this year? Absolutely. So uh, this is something we try to do, you know, at least once a season. Um, We love to show films that are not only visually captivating because we have such a huge screen and a huge space in which to show, but we love an opportunity to do a live score and bring music into the fold. So, um, you know, in previous years, we've done Beasts of the Southern Wild with a live score. Last year, we showed Selma with a live score. And this year, we'll be showing this incredibly beautiful documentary called Brimstone and Glory, which is a documentary actually created by the same folks behind Beasts of the Southern Wild. So it's that very, like, just epic, anthemic sort of cinematography. It's so beautiful. And it's about um, 
the name of the town is escaping me, but it's about a town in Mexico that basically manufactures all the fireworks for the entire country of Mexico. Uh, and so as since that's really the livelihood of this whole town, they every year do an annual fireworks festival. And it's just insane. I mean, it's literally creating these huge uh, they kind of look like piñatas in that they're like paper mache looking, but they basically create these like insane bulls and huge structures and elephants and crazy creations that they then blow up with fireworks in them. <laughs> so it's really cool to watch. And um, we're really excited to show it on screen. And the music is also really beautiful. It's an original score. And so we'll have Wordless Music Orchestra, a Brooklyn-based collective, actually performing the score to this beautiful movie. So that's something I'm really excited about. Um, we're also showing Nausicaa, um, which is a Miyazaki film. That'll be really beautiful. Uh, and Khaki King from right here in Brooklyn will open up that. So I think we like to have sort of a musical element in the fold of everything we do, but we definitely um, don't want to pigeonhole ourselves. We really enjoy showing movies. I think going to see a film outside is so quintessential New York summer, yes. you know? Yes. <laughs> and what a cool lineup, too, of Nausicaa and then this other film. Remind me the name again. Brimstone and Glory. Brimstone and Glory. Where did you even find something like that? A documentary about a town that makes fireworks and has a fireworks festival? I'm so intrigued. I have to see it. But how do you find this? <laughs> well, I think, you know, the probably the sort of connection was through our uh, previous filming of Beasts of the Southern Wild. Uh, there's a whole sort of production collective. What's really interesting about this collective is that um, basically everyone is multifaceted in their abilities and their agreement is sort of like if you directed one film, then you do the music for the next film. If you did the music for one film, then you edit the next film. And so they all sort of play different roles in each other's pieces. So, for example, I believe I don't want to get this wrong, but I believe the director of Brimstone and Glory actually edited Beasts of the Southern Wild or something oh. to that effect. So it's really cool. I love that um, approach to uh, like sort of how you build a team. That's truly the essence of a collective in my opinion. Um, and you know, Beasts of the Southern Wild was such a like runaway independent hit that I think we've been sort of keeping an eye out for what this company does. Um, and I think it's that, you know, it didn't get a ton of play here in the U.S. I think it was a very limited release, an independent film. And that's also something to us. We don't want to just show the obvious uh, big blockbusters necessarily. I think sometimes those are great. Um, but in a situation like this, if we have an opportunity to share a film that maybe a lot of people haven't seen, then that's very interesting to us. Yeah, I so appreciate that. The opportunity to see something new on a big screen with a live orchestra. That's, uh, yeah, um, congratulations. So is there anything that you specifically, Leah, are looking forward to? And feel free to let your personal taste and aesthetic inform this. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't the like the hard sell, like, oh, we're trying to sell this show because most of them are free. But what are you looking forward to? So I am definitely looking forward to Common. Um, the last time I saw Common, I was a teenager and I had actually just left a festival early from seeing Bob Dylan. And I saw Bob Dylan perform like five songs and I was like, all right, you're old. I'm going to go to Common. Whoa. <laughs> I think that really does speak to a generational thing that you left Bob Dylan to go see Common. <laughs> did. And I knew Bob Dylan was very important, but, you know, he he's someone I enjoy recorded. Mm -hmm. uh, but live is just not really the same. And then I went to Common, who is just as poetic, but totally different energy in terms of a live performance. So that was like a really cool night, but that was like ages ago. So I'm very excited to see this person perform again. 
And when is that? That is June 5th, Tuesday. Okay. That's opening night. Okay. Um, what time? That show starts at 8 o'clock. And The doors are free? at 6.30, and it's free. Get okay. there early, y'all. Okay. So June 5, 6.30, doors, 8 o'clock show, free. Yep. If it fills up will people I, will you have to turn folks away I mean that is not a conversation anyone wants to have but is no, there a no. possibility so I mean the thing is again the great thing about being in Prospect Park is that you know within the gates of the festival official festival grounds you know we do have a capacity mm-hmm. but something that I think a lot of probably festival goers uh, have done at some point I know a lot of people I talk to is that even if you can't get into the immediate festival site you're welcome to hang out on the lawn outside of the gates Uh, When we had David Byrne in 2008, people were hanging all the way into the baseball fields past the road that went behind the bandshell area. Like people were just spilling out uh, because in a way it's sort of if you're okay with not necessarily seeing Common's, you know, eyelashes up close, you're still there. You can hear the music. I mean, it's pretty loud. Yeah. Um, And I think that in the event that we reach capacity within the park, Hopefully people will still hang out, you know, in the perimeters and just enjoy the show. Okay. Thanks for that. Absolutely. What else besides? Oh, so I will say again, just sort of, you know, everyone's nostalgia comes out sometimes, I think, with Mm -hmm. festivals like these. Um, We definitely appreciate, you know, we want to showcase a breadth of artists in terms of um, not only genre, but also, um, you know, career level. Like we want to really make space for emerging artists. We really want to make special attention to those who are you know, contributing to art in this borough. But we also really like to showcase these legendary acts and these sort of um, uh, just these icons within the music space. And so to me, The Breeders playing August 11th. Uh, That's our closing night show. And I really did scream when I found out that that was happening uh, as like an early riot girl in my early teen years. I can can see that. (laughs) Yes, you 